Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. I always love going to those movies, and before the movie starts, it says, please silence your cell phones. How embarrassing. I've done that before, and now that my phone is on not disturb, I don't have to worry about that anymore, but it's happened to me before. It's embarrassing. You know how to silence are a great advantage. Yes. <laughs> Woohoo! Well, Katie, I have to tell you, it's because I have a lovely techie I married. Her name is Sharon, and so I can turn my phone off and on because of her, so... <laughs> Uh, Mrs. McKinney, you are such a sweet lady. I always love looking forward to seeing you. And I think that's not only from this young lady, but also from me too. So, (laughs) McKinney family, so thankful you are with us today. Glad to be serving our awesome God together. Love your family. There you go. All right. Mrs. Parks, you are such a wonderful person. I love your smile and so thankful uh, for doing lots of great things for the body of Christ. There you go. And finally, last but not least, Pam Weibert with a big heart on it for an awesome job cleaning the building. I'll tell you what, Pam works countless hours at Macy's, countless hours for her mom, and then thank you for coming down here and, and cleaning the building. That's fantastic. So... All right, well, I'll tell you what, we have some announcements this morning, and uh, your, your bulletin has a whole bunch of announcements, and uh, thanks, Carrie, for putting those on there. Um, men's meeting today, right after assembly, uh, usually kind of everybody kind of gets in there a little about 1230 or so, but uh, if you can get in there as soon as you can, that'd be great. Uh, our family dinner for January is on the uh, 20th, and it's going to be at Tamara's place. Where's Tamara? Thank you. She has such a lovely home and it's quite large. And so uh, we'll have our family dinner there. And notice there is no college age group tomorrow night. Our house is going to be in quite disrepair. You know how the, you always have to tear it apart before you put it back together again? Well, that's what our house is going to look like uh, tomorrow. And I'm not doing it, by the way, Eric. It's somebody, it's a professional tearing my house apart. So there you go. Uh, so the college age, though, uh, we have a special movie night on the, the January 29th, so you want to put that on your calendars. And then uh, family camp registration's coming up, um, so please make sure you put this date on your calendar, February 10th. And we have several uh, speakers from uh, across the country that have already let me know that they're planning on coming, and so I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, a cleanup day before family camp. Uh, Usually we think of cleaning up after a big event, but let's clean up before family camp. And uh, that's on the 14th. And then um, take a look at Oregon Family Camp actually happening February 26th, 27th, and 28th. Did you notice your calendar had a couple dates wrong on them? It says says it's the 21st, the 22nd, and the 28th. No, no, no. We're going to put them all together. It's the 26th, 27th, and 28th. We're not splitting it up. You know, it's all together that last three days of February. So for those of you who might have seen it, uh, it's, 
It's the last three days of February. And I don't remember who called that to my attention, but uh, I think it was Scott. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. It wasn't me. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't either. Okay. All right. So we do need to sing happy birthday to Miriam because she wasn't here last week. And, well, I know it's the old business, but it's business we must take care of. So is there anybody that was uh, having a birthday this coming week, starting today? Anybody else? Okay, Miriam, you're it today. So here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Okay. Hey, let's grab our Bibles today. Is there any other announcements I might have missed this morning before we get started? Okay, let's turn our uh, book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. One of our anchor verses is found here in, in chapter 14, and the other is found in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read both of them this morning, uh, paying particular attention to verse 12. And so, uh, Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 uh, through 13. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed to full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. There, here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Christ. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Let's pray, and then we'll read Hebrews 10. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We are so thankful, Lord, that you have every, every situation and circumstance in our life covered. There's nothing new to you, and you've seen it all and heard it all. And we're so thankful, Father, that you know how to encourage us to be faithful, to be perseverant. And uh, Father, today, as we would begin this uh, year-long journey of looking at what it means to be persevering and the many facets of perseverance and then many of those Old Testament greats and New Testament greats that manifested this heart of perseverance so that we might follow their example. Father, I'm just so thankful that here, even as it speaks of the end, that Lord, we can be uh, perseverant as saints and that's what we're called to. Help us to recognize how important that is in this day and help us to apply the things that we learn from your word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. And now if you turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 this morning, and we'll begin there in verse 32. And we've looked at this one before, but it's such an important passage of scripture for us to read. And then we'll jump into our lesson this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, 
and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. You know, in times past, we've looked at this passage of Scripture and where it says, joyfully receiving or seeing your property seized and being thrown in prison and visiting those who are in prison and being mocked and, and suffering and going through horrible trials. You know, we can read that, but do you get a picture from your life coming up on your computer screen? I don't. I have one from the Apostle Paul. I have one from Jesus. I have one from Timothy, Epaphroditus. I have one from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I have one from Daniel, but I don't have my own. You know how oftentimes you'll read a scripture and you'll go, wow, I know what the preacher's talking about there. I've been there. And he's right on. I can't say that for this passage of scripture. I'm going to need to learn to become that person. We're going to need to learn to become that person. And so that's why I believe as the, the men of Essachar who, who understood the times and knew what to do were so valuable in the Lord's army, D David's army. And so we too need to be like those of Essachar, recognizing the times and then searching the scriptures to know what to do. You know, I, as I shared last week, I had a whole different theme, getting ready. And then as I saw things really moving rather quickly uh, in a very interesting and quite different direction than I thought, I started to pray and asking the Lord, okay, so what is really needed? The saints need to know how to persevere. Where should they put their energy? And so we're going to work on perseverance this year. And I'm excited about those who have already said they want to come they want to teach, they want to preach uh, in regards to Oregon Family Camp. And really, perseverance is multifaceted, and we'll look at those this year. And I'm going to ask the men coming and, and some of our, our folks here to, to present some of those facets of perseverance to help us get a practical understanding on how to apply those things so that we can have joy and excitement with a heart of those, as Jesus says, are are more than conquerors, as he says, uh, through the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. And so today is the first lesson. Last week we kind of looked our, at our where we've been, and now we're going to begin moving forward. And so I want to start in point number one. If you have your lesson plans with you this morning, I, I hope that you do. If someone needs a lesson plan, I don't know if Ryan would probably be willing to grab you one. Anybody need a lesson plan to take a look at? Anybody? Everybody's got one? Okay, well, let's go ahead and begin. Point number one, defining perseverance of the saints. What is John talking about here? 
You're saying, well, I wanted all the goodies about all the scary stuff in Revelation. Oh, you know what? You're either going to worship God or you're going to worship self or worship someone or something else. There's only two forms of worship, worship of God and worship of something else. So the mark actually is in your mind the worship of something else. That's the mark that you don't want. And your hands actually show your mind worshiping self or something else. And so it's important for us to recognize who are we really worshiping? Who are we really worshiping? What are we really worshiping? Back in the book of Hebrews 10, if you're worshiping your stuff, notice it says, they joyfully received the seizure of their property. That might be a little bit difficult if you worship your stuff, right? And so perseverance here is so important. Notice the sentence I write down there. The perseverance steadfastly endures hardship. Sometimes when a person is under pressure, what's really inside them comes squirting out. Have you ever noticed that? What's the inner man comes squirting out when they put, get put under pressure. They lose their temper. They scream and yell. They, they, they get thrown into a tissy fit. They worry themselves sick when the pressure's on. But what if when the pressure was on, you knew how to respond and you had prepared yourself by faith to respond. That's what this is talking about this morning. So the word perseverance here, hupomeno is the Greek word. It's, it means a cheerful or hopeful endurance in difficult times. A cheerful or hopeful endurance in difficult times. That sounds kind of weird. How can you be cheerful in difficult times? How can you be joyful or hopeful when everything seems to be falling down around you? That seems rather strange. Well, the faith that we're called to have is like that of Christ. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew what was ahead. He understood and he gave himself faithfully to do the will of God as it says in the passages of scripture here, to faithfully do the will of God. And so cheerful or hopeful endurance, to be steadfast. And in Thayer's, Thayer's actually targets this verse, Revelation 14. And he makes this statement about this passage of scripture. He says, a person who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose, being loyal to faith and piety, even during the greatest of trials and sufferings. <clears throat> Interesting. A person who is unswerving, he's going to stay the course, no matter what the obstacle. He'll stay the course, and he'll power through by the power that God has granted to him through faith and godliness. Not going to give up. We have pictures of this and they can no longer be just, well, you know, that's a nice, nice fairy tale. It would be good if it were in a movie or something like the Apostle Paul on the ship where he's a prisoner and he's being sent to Rome. And it seems like everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And yet he doesn't lose the faith. In fact, he becomes the leader of that ship. And he's not a captain and he's not a soldier and he's not a sailor, and yet because of his great faith, because of his confidence in God, 
All of those men were saved who were on that ship. We need to recognize and understand that those pictures are actual historical events where God actually powerfully worked through those people. Again, you know, we, we hear this story about Paul and Silas in prison have mercilessly, mercilessly being beaten for doing a good deed for a girl that was demon-possessed. And he's thrown in jail because of it. He did a good deed. He didn't do nothing wrong. And yet he's beaten mercilessly and then thrown in the inner prison. And yet, did he have a cheerful, hopeful endurance and steadfast in sufferings? Well, it was manifest, wasn't it? That wasn't a fairy tale. That actually happened to the Apostle Paul. So if we are thrown in prison, if that would happen, are we going to have that mindset? I share with you that I have to build my faith so that I will be like the Apostle Paul, like Jesus for the joy set before me. You have to build your faith. You know, how many times have we heard Jeff come up and talk to us about uh, when he was at work, they would teach him to build a mindset for muscle memory for challenging and difficult times in his life, in his career. He had to think about it and practice for it so that when that time came, he was able to automatically be that. The Apostle Paul wasn't automatically, hey, what a great time I am in the inner dungeon. He had to train himself to understand that his life mattered. Now, did his life matter when he was singing in the prison? The answer, of course, is yes. The jailer and his family became Christians because of it. They saw a cheerful, hopeful endurance, perseverance in very difficult times. We can do the same thing, but we must be trained for it. Here are some examples I would encourage you to read. You can take a look at them right now. I'm only going to take a look at one. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Look at how faith and perseverance work together. In the, in the, in the next one, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 10. Again, take a look at how endurance basically overshadows all of a person's ministry in difficult times. A mindset to endure, to persevere. The word is used, or persevere, same word. And then finally, I want you to turn with, to me, with me to 2 Thessalonians. Now, some of you know the, the history behind 2 Thessalonians. You know, when uh, the word of God came to them, they suffered horribly from stepping away from the religions of the day and, and from the worship of other deities. And they were basically slated for a great beatdown by that community. You go back and you do a little study on Thessalonica. There was terrible persecutions of that young church. So much so that Paul was worried that their faith would be stamped out. And so he sent Timothy to find out about how they were doing. Take a look here in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1, beginning there in verse 3. This is talking about that same perseverance. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love, uh, the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. 
Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. That church was a relatively young church. He was not able to stay there very long. Go back and look in the book of Acts. And yet they weathered the storm of persecution and affliction. It says their faith was growing. Their love for one another was excelling. Will we be that church? These are written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. These pictures, these illustrations, these biblical examples are men and women just like you and I. When the crush came from, whether it be civil government or false uh, religious leaders, they stood the test. The McKinney's and I have been going through the first couple chapters of the book of Revelation. And some of those churches were doing magnificent, even though there were there's a crush of Satan, literally Satan's work named there, crushing them, and yet they stand strong. And John is praising them for standing strong in those difficult times. Notice they were growing in their faith. They were excelling in their love. The reason I picked this one is this word perseverance is the same word that's used back in the book of Revelation in chapter 14 and verse 12. This church manifested that kind of perseverance. So if they could do it, we could do it. We just need to be looking and focusing on what God has done through others so that we know that we can do that as well. I'll give you a real quick example and then we'll move on to point number two. I used to teach marketing at Willamette High School. And Willamette High School was called Felony Flats. Now the reason it was called Fel... The reason it was called Felony Flats is that supposedly per capita more felons came out of uh, that area of Eugene than any other. Now I don't know if that's true or not. But when I took over, I had several of my colleagues who had taken jobs in other places like Sheldon, of course, Sheldon. You know, so they had, they had taken jobs other places. And they said, you went where? I didn't even know it was called that. You know, it's rather interesting is that there were young people in my marketing program that did not believe that they could excel and for several years as I taught, because of their mindset, they couldn't excel. The group struggled in competition, marketing competitions. But there was one young man named Josh Pritchett. He said, I am going to win a national title this year. And that man, young man, invested himself in study and working with business people, asking questions. His mindset was, I can do this. Other people can do it. I've seen other people on stage. I know I can do it. And that year, because he had pulled some other people along, we had three national champions. You want to know what happened after that year? Because people saw the trophy and saw the picture and heard the talk, they knew it was possible. And we began to win national titles. There was 13 of them before I left. And it wasn't really about me. I was teaching the same thing every year. It was about one young man saying, I'm going to do this, and he did it. And all of a sudden, that, that limitation that was put on the mindset of those young people was crushed. 
And they all started to excel. We need to see that it's possible. And we need to see it in people. And people need to see it in us. Like those in Thessalonica. Now the perseverance, point number two, the perseverance to keep the commandments of God. So let's go back and take a look at Revelation there and chapter 14 and verse 12. It says, here's the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. You know, there's two characteristics of those who persevere. They humbly obey God because they love him. Because they love him. I got a great text from my oldest son, Andrew, this last week. I miss him terribly. We used to have Friday morning coffee and we had spent an hour, sometimes two hours, talking and Bible studying. I miss him. And I worry about him. But I got a great text from him the other day. You know what he said? He goes, Dad, I was reading Proverbs chapter 6, so obviously, no, it was the 6th of January. So I was reading Proverbs chapter 6, and, and there's this one little verse, Dad. It says, bind the teachings of your parents on your heart. And he goes, I immediately thought of all that stuff that you taught me, Dad. And, and I went back and I thought about all those things I did where I said, ah, Dad doesn't know, <laughs> and how I suffered the consequences. And he goes, and I also have enjoyed the times when I realized that it might be a bad consequence that I avoided it. He says, you know, I appreciate you, Dad. That was an awesome thing. You know, that shows that he loves me and he wants to do the things that I've shared with him from the scriptures. Bill was a total mess up before he became a Christian. I don't know how to raise a kid right if I go back from my upbringing, but the Lord knows. So I figured if I just teach them the scriptures and live the scriptures, it might work. Well, praise God. So it's important for us to know that we will obey God if we truly love him. So let's go back and listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. Go back with me to the Gospel of John and, and take a look at a few scriptures there that shows that obedience is predicated, the obedience to God is predicated on our total love and devotion to him. In the book of John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 12 and verse 13, Jesus kind, kind of builds up the, the greatest, one of the two great commandments. The first great commandment, which has not been changed, is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. That means everything, everything about you is to love him. And if you think about every breath that you breathe, he paid for on the cross. Every sight you see, he gave you that amazing ability in his creation of you. You see, we need to recognize another thing. Jesus really is really our all in all. And we should have an abiding love because he bore the price for us on the cross. He paid that terrible price and we won't have to. Look at this. He says in verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as or exactly like I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And remember what Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. 
You want to love Jesus? You know how you do that? By loving one another. That's how you do that. So go back and take a look at the love that Jesus had for people and you begin to emulate that love. He walked as a man filled with the spirit by faith and he gave us the perfect example of love. But let's go to the next passage of scripture, John chapter 14 and verse 15. Very simple statement. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, some someone will say, well, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll do what he tells me to do. You're only going to give minimum effort. What's the minimum effort I need to do in order to keep myself out of the lake of fire? If you really love somebody, there's no limits. If you really love somebody, there's no limits what you'll do for them. And so it's important for us to recognize when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the saints who are able to persevere are what? The ones who keep the commandments of God. And how's that going to work? We need to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we do that by loving each other with the same love that Jesus loved us. But let's look at another one. It's just right across the page, verse 21. Interesting statement here in verse 21. He says, <clears throat> excuse me, where are I going to find it real quick here? Um, chapter 14 and verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So if you are obedient out of fear, that's not what he's talking about here. If you're desiring to please God because you love him, that's what he's talking about. Dad, what more can I do? Wouldn't it be great if your kid said that? Hey, Dad, I put out, I washed your car, I vacuumed it, I put out the garbage, I fed the dogs, I fed the cats. What else would you like me to do, Dad? You'd be going, huh? Who are you? Who abducted you? Okay, where's my son? Where's my daughter? What? What have you done? Yeah, yeah there you go. What have you done? Yeah, right, that's, that's a good one. It's probably more appropriate. Wow. Man, talk about the attitude that we're to have for God. What more can I do, Lord? Well, take a look at John chapter 15, verses 9 through 14. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 14. Just as the Father has loved me, I also love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and Abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that your joy may be made full and that you, excuse me, that you, that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. That's a great passage. So should we be working on how we love God by how we love each other? I think so. Now let's go back to 1 John. The little John, way back near the book of Revelation. 1 John in, in chapter 5. 1 John, not 1 Peter. 1 John, 
First John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him, meaning loves their brother, the child of God. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe or keep, obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So here we have love and faith working together to bring about an obedient child. So remember, we spent about four years working on love a few years back. That was a long time. But the reality was, is we always looked at new material, if you recall. There's a lot of material in the Bible about the love of God for us and our responsive love for him. That's what he's calling us to. Maybe we should go back and brush up on that a little bit. But notice the second characteristic of the perseverant saint. In fact, I'm going to ask you once again to read your King James. Would you mind reading the King James, Revelation chapter 14, and specifically verse 12? Revelation chapter 14. And we should turn back there and, and read it in the, the New American Standard. But chapter 14 there and verse 12. Can you read that once again real loud? Especially that last part. Emphasis that last phrase. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. The faith of Jesus. The faith of Jesus. The faith of Jesus. It's not faith in Jesus. It's the faith of Jesus. If we want to have joy in suffering, because we know that we're fulfilling the will of God, as Jesus knew he was fulfilling the will of God, he could then have joy. Now, joy is not dancing and smiling and giggling. That's not true joy. Go back and study joy. Jesus was able in the very crush of his life to joyfully fulfill his father's will. For the weeping women, he cared for them deeply and not for himself. For those who nailed his hand, or wrists and feet to the cross, he was concerned about their soul and asked God to forgive them. Even those guys that maliciously, jealously wanted him killed, he asked God to forgive them as well. And he forgave the man on the cross who changed his mind. He was concerned about his mom and John, uh, the very man, man that wrote the book of Revelation as a young man. His joy was, I can fulfill the will of God in this very difficult time and people will see it. I can set an example so that others will follow in my footsteps. Faith of Christ will produce the convictions of Christ. Faith of Christ will, will produce the love of Christ, the love of God. And so we need to go back and we need to embrace the scriptures of who Christ is. It says that you have been crucified with Christ. In fact, let's go there. Galatians 2. Galatians chapter 2. The old man has been crucified 
the weak, frail, old man that walked by his own understanding. But listen to what it says here. Galatians chapter 2, and I'd invite you to read uh, the context there, but Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and this, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, the one who loved me and delivered or gave himself up for me. Does it say faith of Christ in yours, King James? Galatians 2.20. That's okay. No problem. I still think you're incredible. Galatians 2.20. Thank you. That was great. You almost sounded like Alton. Your lips weren't even moving. It's amazing. Wow. I didn't know you had that gift. Yeah. Faith of the Son of God. That's actually in the Greek. It was Christ's faith. Paul had Christ's faith. How where do you get Christ's faith? From the word of Christ, the word of God. Now, think with me for just a minute. His thoughts, his convictions, his morals, his standards, his words, his love. Will that give you then the picture of persevering through the most difficult of times? We need to begin to place ourselves into some of these illustrations of the saints of old and how they powered through. Job is a great place to start. Others are, but then right into the New Testament. But we have something different. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we have the written word, the word of Christ, it says. So we have... All that we need for life and godliness is found in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ because we are Christians. Melinda, I'm going to ask you a question. I know the answer. Did you take Brad's last name when you were married? And so when the preacher said, I'm proud to introduce to you, or it gives me great joy to introduce to you, Brad, or uh, excuse me, Mr. and Mrs. Brad McKinney. That dog. <laughs> he wasn't a preacher. He was just a... Justice of the peace? Yes. Well, he should have called me. <laughs> notice, notice the bride takes the name of the husband. Do you take the name of Christ? Christian. Are you the bride of Christ? Christian? Yes. So important for us to recognize we bear his name. Therefore, we must, we must manifest his life. Second Corinthians in chapter four, verse 10 and 11, teaches that very thing, manifesting his life as his bride. Well, let's look at Philippians chapter three. Turn with me to Philippians three. <coughs> In Philippians in chapter 3, verses 7 through 14, the Apostle Paul here is basically saying everything that he had before he was a Christian was absolutely worthless. And you can read verses 1 down through verse 6. He tells you everything he had. Man, he had it all. Pedigree, fame, fortune, he had it all. But look at verse 7. 
But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, garbage, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Why? In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now we're going to read on a little bit further there into verse 14. Listen to what Paul says. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward, striving forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Someday, you and I are going to die. Then what? God knows every day. He knows that He knows your last day. He knows your every word. He knows your every thought. He knows your every, every hair on your head. Are we going to trust Him fully? Are we going to walk by faith? And one of the great foundation truths of faith is trust. We need to recognize and understand that Paul gave up everything by choice so that he might gain what God had called him to be. And God raised him up as a great servant in his church. Even in the most horrific of persecutions, he continued. Let's close with this, Hebrews in chapter 12. Really, Jesus is where we need to focus to understand the love of God and understand the faith of Christ. Look to him. So here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us the life that's been given to us with endurance let's run the course fixing our eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of god for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart do you remember how that young man was able to, to win that national title? He believed he could, and he worked so that he did. And after that, everybody realized that I can do that too. Jesus, it says, was a man that God powerfully worked through. And he was crucified, buried, and raised, and is now seated at the right hand. Paul was a man like you and I. The Christians in the city of Thessalonica were Christians just like you and I. And yet they were able to grow in their faith and to excel in their love so that they might persevere even in the horrific persecutions that they experienced. 
I don't know what the future holds. You know what? We may have four years of the most wonderful, blissful, worry-free life. It might be absolute paradise on earth. What are you giggling about? <laughs> Holton's already going, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> we need to go to the scriptures to take hold of that which we have been called to and called for. Because as we manifest that joyful, hopeful endurance in difficult times, people will see it and they'll have the encouragement to follow through. As we continue, we're going to focus on those who have gone on before us, that cloud of many witnesses, as well as looking at the many facets of perseverance. Thank you for listening today. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, it's, it's difficult when we take a look at some of these horrific things that Jesus went through, that Paul went through, that the, the Christians in the city of Thessalonica went through. We've not experienced any of those, but we're deeply thankful, dear Heavenly Father, for the blessing of your word, for it powerfully gives us the answers that we need Everything for life and godliness, regardless of the situation and circumstance. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in the true knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we will continue to dig and to mine the scriptures to know and understand what is the love of God, what is the faith of Christ, so that we might be persevering in all things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can stand, please. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.